Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado. Welcome back to Know Your Enemy. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am subbing for Michael Beck, who will be back next week. Alongside me is the man who knows the enemy real well this week. It's Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey knows... My gosh, you're like a clinic with the Steelers. I love being on the show with you because I could sit back and just listen. And uh, man, you really, you really got it down. And I do really appreciate that. So I feel like uh, I joke all the time that we've got X's and O's guys on Behind the Steel Curtain. We've got Michael, we've got Jeffrey, we've got KT. Those are some really good X's and O's guys. You know, even... I'm sorry, Dave Schofield's a fantastic X's and O's guy, too. Then I talk about guys like uh, myself and Tony Defio. We're more X's and O's guys, but we're more of excitement and ecstasy. And, oh, no, those that's our X's and O's. We kind of paint the picture more, and we're more into the pop culture of the team and uh, the history of the team and, uh, and the personality of the team. So uh, that's why uh, it's so fun to be on this show. I feel like I'm learning a lot about the team as well, and you're giving me some things to definitely think about, so I do appreciate it. Um, remember, check out BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Just because they are not going to be in pads until July doesn't mean that uh, it ends for us here. You're going to see and hear so much and read so much from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, so for everything you want, it's still happening. We had the Tomlin press conference today. Jeff Hartman did the wrap up. That's something you could check out on the audio only side. We've got some new shows coming up. We've got shows returning. So make sure you check all that out, but we are still lamenting the loss to the Cleveland Browns. Yes. Once again, 48 to 37. And we want to talk about uh, trying to fix the Steelers. And some people in the live chat are saying that it's not an easy fix. There's just not one thing to do. And we get that. Um, but the Steelers might be looking for that one last gasp if they hold on to Ben Roethlisberger, and we'll be talking about that. But one of the things that helps with Ben Roethlisberger's success, Jeffrey, is a competent running game. If they re-sign James Conner, which no one knows whether they're going to do, a lot of people don't think that they're going to go ahead and do that. But is James Conner, great story that he is, 
is he a capable running back for what they're trying to do? Because the running game was last in the league this year. Yeah. Well, interestingly, they were last in the league because of half of their schedule. Half of their schedule, they were so bad, they ended last in the league. But you can take seven of their games. The first five, the game in Jacksonville, and the game against Cincinnati. And they're a top 10 rushing team for for those games. Like, they're top 10 in the league if you look at those games. And, like, you say, okay, well, what's the difference in those games? Jacksonville, I don't know what they were doing. They didn't get the memo. They didn't defend Ben Roethlisberger like everyone else did, and we tore them up. I, I After watching the game, I was like, their defensive coordinator should just be fired. They were they were dumb. Uh, Cincinnati, the Steelers ran play action. We did a uh, – Dave Schofield uh, and I did a vertex on it. The, only, the first half, they ran the ball three times, but on over half of their pass plays, they ran play action. Ben was absolutely terrible. But the run game worked. It worked when we ran play action. In the first five weeks, it worked when we were using motion. James Conner was the leading back. Benny Snell was the other guy. Anthony McFarland, they were a top 10 running offense. With those guys, with the offensive line we had this year, when they were using motion, when they were using play action. So, like, we look at the Browns. And we can say, yeah, they got Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Love to have Nick Chubb. But they run a lot of play action. They run a lot of motion. They use a lot of the same things we were using early in the season to help our run game. But you can't do that in Pittsburgh once teams figure out we're not throwing the ball when we do that. We're not throwing the ball when we move. We use jet motion. We're not throwing the ball. Uh, you know, and our, our play action is terrible. You don't have to worry about play action because Ben can't figure out who to throw to. It It's really, this, the film is stark. When we use motion, when they use play action, Ben Roethlisberger isn't himself. He's better when you just line straight up, stand there, stare at the defense, and they know what formation you're in, and they just have to defend it. He is much better with that. He's not good in the other other setups. So we can talk about, is James Conner good enough? To me, James Conner is comparable to a Kareem Hunt. I think if you put James Conner right now, if like say we cut him, we let well, we just let him go. We let James Conner go in free agency and say Kansas City picked him up cheap. He would be phenomenal there, just like Kareem Hunt was. He's that kind of a running back. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt is probably a little better all around than James Conner but not much. He, there's not much difference between them. James Conner's that level of running back. He's just in an offense that doesn't work for the run game at all. Benny Snell was an effective running back last year. He was an effective running game back in week one when we were doing a lot of the stuff, a lot of the sweeps, a lot of the motion. What happened when we stopped doing that stuff? Benny Snell couldn't get a yard. Benny Snell couldn't get anything going. The offensive line is overwhelmed because they're just face because defense knows we're running when we're when we're doing those things and and when we're not the defense can just line up and tee off on what we're doing it's it's really it's really hard to to understate how valuable that is that's another thing I started looking for I got to give credit to Kevin Smith KT Smith he he was saying this team has to use more motion they've got even if it's not the jet sweep motion even if it's not Matt Canada moving three players at once you know kind of stuff he did in college. They need more motion. 
just to free things up, just to get the wide receivers releases, to get everyone a little space, give the offensive line an advantage when they block, do these things. And we can't, we don't do it when we have Ben Roethlisberger. And so for me, again, offensive coordinator, like what offensive coordinator works with that? Well, that depends. Who's his quarterback? Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm saying this, it sounds like I'm saying the problem with the Steelers is 100% Ben. The problem is Ben's been around long enough that teams know how to defend him. And he doesn't have the receiving weapons to make it work in spite of that. And in order for him to work at this level, in order for him to come back in this offense to fix, he's going to have to learn to deal with motion. Not, don't worry about play action where you're turning your back and rolling out like Baker Mayfield does. Ben's never going to be able to do that again. He's old. He's not going to do that again. He's 38, 39. You know, he's, he's approaching 40. He's not going to do that. But if he can handle motion, if he can handle receivers coming across the screen and we can run effective pass plays with that going on and, and, and read the defense, pick it up, learn that stuff, then we'll be in good shape. He, we could see a bounce back year from Ben. And if and if and if we're in that situation, then the people who are sitting there say, you know what, we should draft running back. We should draft a Najee Harris. We should we should invest in the running back position and get a better one. Then yeah, go for it. If Ben can learn that, then absolutely. If Ben can't pick that up, if they can't add that into the offense and make it work, then the the only solution out there available is draft a wide receiver number one. Draft who like draft a someone incredible as much as you can. Get somebody and hope that they have a connection with Ben. Hope that Chase Claypool develops that. Hope that Deontay Johnson, you know, actually really develops what Ben was trying to force with him. Because that's it. That's the only way you're going to make it is if there's someone on the field that teams can be like, all right, we have an idea what route they're running. We know where they are. They know they're the release they're going to do, and they're going to beat us anyways. So we have to double team them. We have to put two, three guys on them. Then you create space for Ben Roethlisberger to work. And that's what him and Antonio Brown did. They did that and it worked. Outside of that, this offense isn't going to work. Wow, that is a lot to digest. And there's another problem that we we barely addressed on the offensive side of the ball. We, we'll get to the defense too. But on the offensive side of the ball, it's the offensive line. Now, protecting Ben, this year they did a really good job protecting Ben. But as far as opening holes, they weren't able to do that much as well. And now you're facing almost a completely new offensive line with a lot of guys that are going to be free agents. So there was the rumor that came out the other day that, uh, that was online that Marquise Pouncey had retired. He has not retired. Now it's saying that... Uh, uh, Ramon Foster has come out and said that uh, he talked to him. He's 50-50. He doesn't know whether he's coming back or not, according to uh, Ramon Foster talking to Marquise. But the thing on that is, where are you on Marquise Pouncey if he does come back? Is he a part of the problem with the running game as well? And we also knew that uh, you know he did have a, a bad snap in that game that, that uh, helped get them off right at the... Uh, at a horrible start to start the game, but where are you on Marquise? And then we'll talk about the rest of the offensive line. Oh, Marquise Pouncey is an interesting one because there's very different film on him. If you want to see Marquise Pouncey look bad, all you got to do is find what film where JC Hassenhauer or even Matt Filer 
are next to him at guard, and you'll see Marquise Pouncey play bad. You saw it last year, Ramon Foster. There's a reason he retired. Love Ramon Foster. He was a great player for us. There's a reason he retired. And Marquise Pouncey looked bad next to him. When Kevin Dotson came in and played guard, either for DeCastro or when he came in uh, late in the season at left guard, Marquise Pouncey looked really good working with Kevin Dotson. They got movement in the in the run game with the double teams. Uh, in the passing game, Marquise Pouncey didn't have any trouble. He didn't have much problems. And, and it looked like they communicated better. It looked like they just played well next to each other. DeCastro and fi- uh, Pouncey and DeCastro have experience. They do fine together. Pouncey and Filer did not. Uh, in the wild card game, Matt Filer was fine. He played a really good game. But the interior line wasn't good. Uh, Pouncey didn't do well. Uh, Matt Filer and Pouncey, they would attack that. And you would, you'll see just little, little things that you're like, you know, their spacing's off. Or, or how they're lined up. It's just, it doesn't, just, it's, they don't play very well next to each other. So if Pouncey comes back, uh, my number one key for playing with Marquise Pouncey is make it to Castro, Pouncey, Dotson. Put those three next to each other. And this year, when that lineup was in, the interior offensive line was really good. Against uh, the Colts, when we came back in the second half and had that phenomenal fourth quarter, the difference in Ben Roethlisberger was he could step forward in the pocket and make throws. And that's an that's a really good defensive line. DeForest Buckner is one of the best pocket-crushing defensive tackles this league has, and he gave them no trouble. DeCastro had him. Uh, Dotson had him. They, they would put Dotson or DeCastro on him one-on-one, and he would get some pushback into the pocket, but Ben would still be have time and, and room to throw. And they could shift help other places. Or they could double team him, send Pouncey to help with it, and he's just not anywhere close to Ben. So that was a big deal in the passing game, too. If you want to you see with the offensive line, with the Grace Trends I saw, you want to see uh, how Ben did. Uh, take the games where J.C. Hassenhauer played more than, I think it was like 12 snaps. He had one game with like 11 snaps where they were fine. Uh, but when he played more than that, Look at Ben Roethlisberger's stats. They're absolutely awful because J.C. Hassenhauer was getting blown up back into the pocket and Ben is throwing off his back foot. Ben is panicking and throwing to his first read even when the guy is not open because people are getting driven back into the pocket. Uh, so Dotson's a big one. Even if even if Marquise Pouncey returns, I would not look past drafting another interior offensive lineman, another center, uh, if, they're, if they're a center who has to move to guard, you know, DeCastro's not going to be there long. Uh, and if they're a future center, that's great. Let them learn for a year or take over for Pouncey if something happens during the year. Definitely interior line is, is something we should look at. But definitely if Pouncey comes back and you're going to use him, Dotson and DeCastro are, are the keys at guard, that you need guards next to him that can be the bully that he's not anymore. Pouncey isn't a pro people mover anymore, but he's smart and he's good. And even the snaps, all the bad snaps came when he was like next to other people. Like he, the bad snap he had in that game, he was trying to reach. It was like a reach block to the left side of the defensive tackle. And so he was trying to snap the ball and then take this really big, quick step. And he snapped it too high. They did it again later in the game and he nailed it. Same block, nailed the snap, was fine. Uh, so... <laughs> 
Pouncey could be replaced if he does return. Cool, that bought you a year. But you need good players in the interior line anyways. You need people around him. That's all right. That's all on them. I do want to talk about that, but I'm going to do a drill with you, but I'm going to ask for a one-word answer. Okay. Just back or gone? We're okay. going to go through the offensive line. Big okay. Al. Al Villanueva. Gone. Next to him, Kevin Dotson. We know he's back, so yeah. you don't even have to say that. And starting. Um, that's my question. Matt I, Filer is the left guard to talk about. Gone? Uh, here. I think he stays but we're moving him to tackle. He doesn't have a contract. Yeah, we keep him. I think okay. we sign him back. All right. Pouncey. I'm going to go with he's staying. Okay. Let's talk about that right guard, DeCastro. Does he still have he, it? I think he's still, I think he's still okay. I think he was hurt, but by the end of the season, he was playing a lot better again. All right. Here's the big one. Right tackle. We're going to put through two guys at you. Chooks Okafor, Okorafor, and Zach gonna, Banner. In my opinion, I, if I, I think the Steelers would be smart, Zach Banner is going to have to take a you know a one year deal, a kind of prove it deal to get a shot. I would sign him and be like, "Look, man, we'll put you, we'll let you and Chooks go for like left tackle. We're going to put Matt Filer back at right tackle next to DeCastro, where he did so well last year, and we're going to let you two fight it out for left tackle." Now, does Filer sign a cheap deal too? Uh, Filer's probably not a cheap deal, uh, but cheap for a tackle, probably for a starting right tackle is good. If he can give us what he gave us last year at right tackle, then you know it's that's it's going to be a bargain. He's going to be a bargain if he can give us that. No matter, like you'd have to pay him a lot. He was really good last year at right tackle, uh, so he's going to get a good contract. But I don't think it's going to be a really big contract, and he could actually outplay it. So I would keep him. Uh, I, I don't think you want that much turnover on that offensive line. Speaking of the offensive line, number one pick, is it going to be an offensive lineman? Oh, I hope so, man. I, 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 I would love to see an offensive tackle taken. Even like even if we, even if we re-sign Filer, we keep Banner. And we like what we got from Chooks. Chooks was okay. He, was, he looked pretty good for a, you know, his role. Uh, I'd still want that top pick to be a tackle. If, if a good tackle's there, yes. If not, interior line's fine. Uh, or you know, I'd be okay with a running back too. I'm okay with I'm okay with almost anything the Steelers pick, but I would definitely be okay with the offensive lineman. The only thing that I'm probably going to disagree with you on, well, I am disagreeing with you on just one guy. I don't think they keep Filer. I think the welcome has been worn out um, with the way that he played at left guard. Now, I know he's done well at right tackle, but there's a short memory. If you do keep a guy like Banner, I don't think Filer stays. I think that would be too many tackles, especially if you're going to look at drafting one. So yeah. one one thing I want to do now is I want to bring up a super chat, and it's a fantastic super chat by Grayson Brown. $50. Thank you so much. That's very generous. Let's not be delusional. We need culture change. This season was the last dance. Seven years of mediocrity and not a single Super Bowl appearance to validate it. Reality check time to make some real and tough decisions. Ben era equals disappointment despite success, in my opinion. So that leads to something that we had on cue um, 
that we did want to talk about, and I was getting ready to talk about this next. And Grayson, I'm glad you brought that up. Is there a leadership problem here in Pittsburgh? Because we've we've heard about that with with some of the uh, comments that we actually saw on social media this week before the game and after the game with young wide receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. Um, even the things that have gone on in the middle of the year with Juju, with the, the logo, and we've talked about that. Um, this is one of those things that, is there a leadership problem in the locker room? Has it been persisting since uh, since even when Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell were here? Is it something where, or is it, does it go higher than the coach? Are the inmates running the asylum? And I'm taking that from WHH, who wrote that in the uh, live chat as well. So where's leadership in this whole thing? Is it a player? Is it a coach? Is it a problem? For me, what we're missing, we are missing leadership. We are missing leadership. And it showed up in that wild card game. It showed up there because you saw early in the game, you saw a fired up Browns team and you saw a Pittsburgh Steelers team that I gave this analogy to a friend of mine. They walked into a boxing ring expecting a boxing match and got sucker punched. And that's what they looked like. They were they were on the field like they were kind of confused. And it's like, how do you get sucker punched when you know you're going to a boxing match? The bell dings, get your guard up. Don't, you can't get sucker punched. But that's what happened. This team got sucker punched in a boxing match. And it's absurd. It's absolutely terrible. The defense, like Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward was shrugging. He was like, guys, what's going on? What are we doing? Like they they were completely lost in that game. And the Browns wanted it more. And it reminded me, this is a scary thing. It reminded me a lot. The Browns reminded me of 2005 when that Steelers team came out and beat a bunch of teams better than them, more talented than them to win the Super Bowl because those Steelers wanted it more. They wanted it more than the team across from them wanted it. At that wild card game, even after we took the, you know, we were down 28 nothing. When we started coming back, the Browns still wanted it more. And that's why they won that game. And that is a leadership issue. But for me, I don't think it's a coach issue. I think it's a player issue. I think it's a culture issue. And that's not completely on the coach. You can say the coach is responsible for that. Yes, the coach bears some responsibility for that. But players are even more so. Like we, we've seen Tomlin win a Super Bowl. We've seen Bill Cower win a Super Bowl. But we have never seen almost all of their success came when the Steelers had two people as captains on their team, one on defense and one on offense. Uh, from 2005 to 2011, they had the same two people at captain on one on offense, one on defense. Brian, you have any idea who I'm talking about? You're talking about 2005? 2005 to 2011, team captains for the Steelers. One offense, one defense. They were Every year they were captains. From Troy 2005 Paul. to 2011. I would. Oh, I would actually say uh, James Ferrier. James Ferrier. And on offense, the same captain on offense. I mean, I'd have to say Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. James Ferrier and Heinz Ward. And in that time period, the Steelers were 10-4 and four in the playoffs. Before those two be before before those guys were captains, Bill Cower was 500 in the playoffs. 
he was five. He had a 500 record in the playoffs since 2011. The Steelers are three and five in the playoffs. Those two guys, when they took over leadership of that team, you didn't see the letdown games in the playoffs. You didn't see that defense like have a really bad game where they just, you were just like, what are you guys doing? I'll go further than that. When James Ferrier was on this team from the moment he joined until he left the Steelers, you didn't see miscommunications. You didn't see cornerbacks not covering anyone. The worst you saw was uh, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith was the only person you saw. He was in the right position. He was just getting beat. But you, but from 2004 to 2011, the Steelers didn't have those games. They were the people who had who put other teams that were supposed to win out of the playoffs. That was the team they were. They weren't a team that laid an egg. And that's players. You look at Chuck Knoll. Like, like go with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool saying stuff. Like, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster ticked off the Browns, right? He ticked off the Browns be- not because he said something, because of what he said and what they cared about. You had a Browns team that was incredibly motivated to show that they're not just the Browns, that this group of players, we're not just more faces in Browns jerseys. We are better than that. We are returning this team to something special. And when Juju Smith-Schuster came out and said, the Browns are the Browns, they're just nameless gray faces, he didn't mean to insult them like that, but that is exactly what they were working at. That was exactly what they cared about. They stepped exactly into that wheelhouse. It would have been in like 2005 if somebody said, we're going to send Jerome Bettis home without a Super Bowl ring. 2005, that team cared about that. They cared about Jerome Bettis. They cared so much that they went out and played better. To get him that that ring, they focused more. The distractions disappear. You're more focused, and you play better. On the Steelers today, there's distractions. There were distractions with Antonio Brown. There were distractions, and the team got to play the game. They showed up, and they played. But could they have played better? Yeah, I think they could have. There was a lot of games the Steelers just kind of had letdowns. You didn't see that when you had those kind of captains. You didn't see those letdown games very often with Heinz Ward. You see them a lot since. We've seen a lot of them since. So I do think it's a leadership problem, and it's a player's. They need to get leadership from the players. And it ties into something that they broke from, especially with the wide receivers. I was always, I'd always say when we approach free agency, the Steelers aren't going to have a room without a veteran. When they got young Le'Veon Bell, they brought in Blunt, LeGarrette Blount. When he left, they brought in D'Angelo Williams, longtime veterans that were considered professionals that knew how to play the game and did things right, and they brought him in. When they lost Heath Miller, they brought in a Vance McDonald, a guy who was experienced. With the wide receivers, they had Darius Hayward Bay, who had been around a long time. They had Antonio Brown. Those guys are gone Last season, they brought in Dante Moncrief, very professional wide receiver, well-known. as he's a, he's a good locker room guy. He was a disappointment on the field. And this year they went with, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster will be the veteran in the room. And it didn't work well. It didn't work well. We saw more drop passes than we've seen, I think, ever maybe from the Steelers receivers. We saw distractions. We saw them giving the other team bulletin board material I'm a big fan of Juju Smith-Schuster. He is not I, – I, I think he's mature as a player on the field, 
but this team doesn't have leadership at that position, and they're kind of lacking leadership on offense in spite of the fact that they have a captain named Ben Roethlisberger. Ben is uh, – and I'm not going to try and knock Ben again here. I, I'm sounding like – I always sound like I'm coming down really bad on Ben. I'm, I don't mean that. I'm just saying he's not who he isn't. Like Troy Polamalu tried to be the leader after James Ferrier. Troy Polamalu wasn't that guy. Troy Polamalu is going to like – talk softly to you, be very introspective, think of what he could do better, and just play his game. He's not Joey Porter. He's not James Ferrier. He's not going to get in your face and tell you you need to do better. That wasn't Troy Polamalu's way, and he even tried to do that, and he couldn't. That just didn't fit his personality. It didn't come across. It didn't work. Ben Roethlisberger is that kind of guy. His leadership is, hey, guys, come over to my house and we'll throw the football in the offseason. It's, you know what? My receivers dropped 18 passes today, but I'm taking the blame on myself. And I'm saying what I need to do better. And then I'm going to go out and practice hard and show it in practice and hope that they follow that example. That's Ben Roethlisberger's leadership. That's fine leadership. But you need the other kind as well. You need that farrier. You need that Joey Porter who's going to get in someone's face. Like, Brian, you ever think Chuck Knoll had to get on somebody's case if they were screwing around? Oh, Chuck Noll, here's the thing about Chuck Noll. I say this all the time, that if you hate Bill Belichick, then you would have hated Chuck Noll because yeah. they are cut from the same cloth. No, you don't do that because he would he would send you on your way to get on with your, and he had the quote, get on with your life's work. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, that's exactly who Chuck Noll was. I mean, this would be going down a, a completely different road and we'll save this for another time. But sometimes I wonder what kind of how Chuck Noll would react to Twitter, to social media, to dancing, to organized, uh, to organized, uh, the defense going down in the end zone altogether after a pick organized celebrations. So there's so many things that, I mean, I would wonder how he would, he would coach in this environment but Chuck had a way, and you almost feel that hey, Belichick can Chuck, uh, coach in this environment, so maybe Chuck could have too. But this is just a complete different world now. Yeah. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to ask you uh, two quick questions. Okay. One would be the defense. We saw a letdown from the defense in this game. It wasn't all the blame of the offense because I know we spent a lot of time on the offense, but the defense did not hold anybody to field goals. And that's something that Cam Hayward talked about today. He felt like it was a letdown that they didn't do their job as well. And they were not getting the stops when they needed to get stops. So really quick on the defense, what went wrong there on Sunday night? What went wrong there was too many players out really to me. Uh, when the players were gone for this defense, uh, the scheme changes. Joe Hayden leaves, the scheme changes on that side. Cameron Sutton can't just do everything Joe Hayden does. He can't. He can't be – he doesn't read the play like Joe Hayden does. He doesn't react as fast. He's a good corner, but he is not Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden covers for a lot of short routes, a lot of problems. That uh, that play they showed – where Jarvis Landry was on, you know, Robert Spillane. If that's Joe Hayden in there, I've said this, if that was Joe Hayden in there at cornerback and it was Devin Bush in it running back, Joe Hayden is picking that pass off. That's what's going on there. Devin Bush is dropping deeper. He's not covering that in route, that outcutting route. Joe Hayden is jumping that outcutting route and he is either breaking it up or he is taking it to the house for a pick. 
but they couldn't run that. Robert Spillane came back. I was hopeful he could be a real impact. He wasn't the same Robert Spillane we saw. He wasn't 100%. He wasn't doing his like what he what he can. He wasn't as good as he can be. Another big problem is when Highsmith went down. They they rode out that initial surge of momentum from the from the Browns. They started to get stops and Highsmith went out. And all of a sudden it's TJ Watt and Cassius Marsh. And that was a very like what can you run there? Cassius Marsh, how long has he been with this team? You're not running the same defense you're running with a Bud Dupree or even an Alex Highsmith when you've got Cassius Marsh playing. You just three, three weeks. Yeah, he's been there three weeks. You're running super vanilla things. And what you see at the end of that game is the defensive scheme was vanilla. And the Browns were just picking it apart because they could. Yeah, you can line up in a vanilla defense and still just beat the other team. But they didn't have the players to do that either. Like they, you're you're down to Cameron Sutton. You've got James Pierre. James Pierre, I wrote, I did a film room on him. I got a lot of positive feedback from that. James Pierre was the only one who didn't give up a reception. But you still had help for him. You got to have help. Minka was, there was a couple plays Minka was bracketing the guy he's covering. And we used Minka to bracket the people Robert Spillane was covering. And we're trying to use Minka to help over here and over there and all over. Like there's only so much we could cover uh, that when Devin Bush was out, Bud Dupree was out, Alex Highsmith was huge. Robert Spillane wasn't himself. There was just too much to overcome for a Browns offense that was executing at a high level. You have to have players. You have to have the talent. And we didn't. I'm a big fan of this defense. I'm a big fan of Keith Butler. Uh, His pass rush schemes are amazing. Since they brought in uh, Terrell, Terrell Austin, the coverage has been better until they end up with third string guys and people that have only been, that have only been on the team three weeks playing. And then it's a problem. Then they don't have answers. All right. One last question before we head on out of here. The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, they finally beat the Tennessee Titans. They are moving on in the playoffs. Lamar has his first playoff win. Joe Burrow's hoping to be back week one with the Bengals. They're putting, if they can get him some protection with the offensive weapons that he has, especially T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They're looking at possibly drafting a guy too. They could be explosive. We saw, we're seeing something special with the Browns as well. Is this an uphill battle for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward in the AFC North? Yes, it really is. Uh, We'll see what the Bengals can do. But this Browns team should worry Steelers fans because they just won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers when all the odds were against them. Everyone was saying the Pittsburgh Steelers, all the odds were in in the Steelers' favor. Their head coach was out there missing all these players. The Steelers' offense was mostly healthy. We're playing at Three River Stadium, and the Browns came in and they won. And they didn't just win. When the Steelers took it to two touchdowns, I had Brown fans on Facebook. I know I have friends that are Browns fans. All their comments were, well, there it goes. Time to Browns it up. Steelers are going to come back. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You know, it was late in the third quarter. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and it's over. Browns are going to lose again. And they were really starting to feel that. And the Browns came out and went on scoring drives. They did. When, when, things, when they had the opportunity, when things looked like they were going to Browns it up, they didn't. They won the game. Browns are a real threat. 
Ravens are a real threat, especially if they go out and get Lamar Jackson a receiver. Uh, I think one that should be on their priority list, if you look at how he fits with their offense, is uh, current Steeler Juju Smith-Schuster would be a phenomenal Raven. He would be fantastic oh, in that perish the thought. And would give Lamar Jackson a real weapon to, to complement Marquise Brown, who is related to the guy that Juju Smith-Schuster was phenomenal playing next to. So, you know, if Juju Smith-Schuster goes to the Ravens. That's a big problem. If they get a receiver anyway, but Juju would be a perfect fit for them. Uh, Steelers have an uphill battle. They have a battle to be number three. I love that they won the AFC North Championship. That matters because it's going to be tough getting another one. Well, I will say this. The, uh, the number three team in the AFC North is in the second round of the playoffs as well as the number two team as well. The number one team is at home. Um, so lots of things to think about there. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Tyler W. gives us $5 from the Super Chat. We learned too much on our defense. We lean too much on our defense during the regular season and wore them down. I really agree with that, Tyler. Um, that is something that definitely happened. I do agree with you there. Snowman at, gives us $5. Thanks again, Snowman. Tony Defio jokes that he is the Robin Masters. If you're a fan of Magnum PI, the Robin Masters here at BTSC in the Super Chat. Do the Steelers re-sign Mike Tomlin? I think he's, I mean, he has one more year left on his deal. Isn't that correct? Yes. And uh, I will say it is my opinion. This is simply my opinion. I think Tomlin and Colbert are here as long as they want to be. Because Art Second is not going to break up Dan Rooney's organization as long as he can. I don't. I think he realizes that he is not Dan Rooney. Dan Rooney is the greatest executive in sports history. There's not two goats. Art Rooney is not Dan Rooney. He can be a great owner. He's not Dan. Dan hired three coaches. You know, Dan brought it. Dan was this franchise. He was the culture. Uh, Art Rooney is just trying to Art Rooney the second is just trying to keep it going. So I think he will bring back Colbert and bring back Tomlin as long as he can. And Art, I mean, Dan was making those decisions for his dad as well. Yeah. And you know, so I mean, so many uh gosh, that that guy is a true Hall of Famer, one of the truest on this team. So I do agree with that. And uh I've told the story before. I was at a Rick Astley concert in England <laughs> when I found out the news of uh of the chairman's passing and uh my wife was trying to keep the news from me and uh gosh there he's singing never gonna give you up and i'm reading the news and i'm like uh, i'm devastated so I'll, I'll never forget that news um jeffrey thanks so much man this was this was a clinic this was a great time i hate that we had a talk about uh um the steelers being their own worst enemy we really should have been talking to somebody from the buffalo bills again this week yeah. and uh that's what i was hoping to be doing but no we are looking towards 2021 and uh you know something that that happens with us um we can be really discouraged and i i saw earlier somebody said that uh he really appreciates us here but he's too sad to talk about the steelers right now i can't remember the name in the uh, super chat because you know i don't multitask well so i do apologize um but you know what it is. It's okay for us to be down. Like Jeffrey said at the beginning, he wasn't doing too well. I'm not doing too well with this. But one thing, I've been a, a Steeler fan a long time now. I've been a Steeler fan. I think this is, what, my fifth decade? 70s, 80s, 90s? 
gosh, I'm going into my sixth decade of being a Steeler fan. And because, uh, you know, I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania and, and really young, you're thrown into the Steelers, especially when you're there in the 1970s, when you're just learning the, t I mean, when you're just figuring out the team and they're in the middle of their uh, fourth championship. So uh, in six years. So, I mean, I've been around the team a long time. I've seen a lot of thick, so much more thick than thin. And I, I you know, Jeffrey, I know that uh, you can agree with that as well. And there might be thin, but one thing I've noticed with the Steelers, the thin does not last too long. And just when you think they're going to be thin, all of a sudden they surprise you and they're thick. I'll remember 1992 when Bill Cower first came in, Sports Illustrated had him at 4-12, and 12, and that was one of the nicest um, forecasts at the beginning of the season for that team. And they went on to be 11-5 and five and uh, go to the playoffs and win the division that year and actually host a playoff game that year. So there's so many things that can happen. There's one thing I do trust in the stability of this organization. And if anybody's going to figure it out, this organization will figure it out. And we will be here to document all of it at BTSC. So Jeffrey, thank you so much once again. And you're going to get your buddy back next week. Michael Beck will be back with you next week. We'll, we'll hopefully have a new name for you next week. So put your thinking cap on and uh, I've got some ideas. I'll, I'll run, I'll run by you uh, when we get out of here, but uh, um, for Jeffrey Benedict, Jeffrey, any last words? Yeah. I want to say, Hey, thanks for doing the show with me, Brian. Uh, it's been good to get this off my chest. And after this week, this is my, this is my week of mourning for the Steelers after this week. Uh, we're moving on to the future and the next year. You got it. And uh, I've, I've, my morning period, I think is over and I'm ready. I'm ready to move on to, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking 2021 and let's do it. And optimistic bad is, is back. So that's what we're going to do. So for Jeffrey Benedict, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This was know your enemy. And we will talk to you next week when Michael Beck returns along with Jeffrey. And thank you so much, BTSC nation. We will talk to you later, my friends. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.